0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is a show that's not going to fall in line with what uh, Joe Biden says we should. We're going to tell you about this crazy memo that came out yesterday to the media. And they're fine with it. They're totally fine. Uh, Also, Adam Schiff. Apparently, Stu, did you know this? There could be a ground invasion. In the United States, we don't know. Oh, my gosh. We don't know I've if seen, we don't impeach President Trump. seen documentaries on this. <laughs> this is what? Red Dawn. A, no, that wasn't a documentary. No, I'm pretty sure. There's no. two, two different documentaries on it. No. One from the 80s, one recently. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's crazy talk. Also, I'll tell you why Bernie Sanders will not win in Iowa but what the Democrats are actually searching for. And nobody is breaking this down the way they should. We have that also. The media having to remove Trump for the sake of the 2020 election. Charlie Kirk joins us for a few minutes. And the China virus.
1: You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: Joe Biden's presidential campaign has issued a warning to reporters and editors in a memo demanding that they debunk the claims of corruption against him. The memo, titled The Imperative for Honest Coverage of Trump's Ukraine Conspiracy Theory, deals specifically with a charge that then-Vice President Joe Biden, as the Obama administration's point man in Ukraine, pushed for a Ukrainian prosecutor to be fired by threatening to withhold aid to the country. Wait. 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 The fired prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, was reportedly removed at the same time he was investigating Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company. According to the Biden campaign, Trump's impeachment was due in large part to his efforts to spread this theory. According to the memo, quote, Trump's objective was to pressure the Ukrainian government into spreading a malicious and conclusively debunked conspiracy theory. Not true. Not true. That Vice President Biden engaged in wrongdoing doing when he executed when he uh, executed official United States policy to remove a corrupt prosecutor from office. again, this is that part is true he he was executing a an official policy for the united states but he knew at the time they were coming after his son he knew at the time they were going after barisma there is there have never been any allegations in ukraine that shokin was corrupt they've never filed any charges they've never told him why he was fired other than the vice president asked for it. In the memo, they cite numerous mainstream news outlets that agree with Biden's version of the story and that discredit the theory that Biden pushed for the firing of the prosecutor to cover up corruption. Uh, accordingly the memo goes on to instruct the media to state clearly and unambiguously that such claims of corruption have been discredited and debunked otherwise it is journalistic malpractice according to the trump i mean sorry according to the biden campaign it is sufficient to say the allegations are uns I'm sorry, it is not su- uh, uh, sufficient to say the allegations are unsubstantiated or that no evidence has emerged to support them. This is crazy. Not only is there no evidence for the Republicans' main argument against the vice president, there is a mountain of evidence that actively debunks it, and it is malpractice to ignore the truth. I... I'm at a loss. I feel like I say the same thing every day, but every day it's worse. I, I, I don't I don't even know what to say anymore. I, I I don't believe this. Of course I believe this. It's happening every single day. It's just getting worse. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I did yesterday, but this one's worse. I don't know what to say to you anymore. I don't know how to come to you with this news anymore. Despite numerous outlets having reported the claims as false, Republicans and Trump defenders are not so convinced. In fact, it was Biden himself who added fuel to the theory's flame when he openly bragged on camera. He said, I'm telling you, you're not going to get the billions of dollars. You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here and think about that in six hours. I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, then you're not getting the money. <laughs> well, son of a bitch, he laughed. He got fired. And they put somebody solid in his place. Now, they put somebody solid in his place until this story broke. When Biden was, was laughing about that in a Council of Foreign Relations meeting in 2018, 2018, not so long ago, when he said they put somebody competent in his place, he was competent until he resumed uh, the look into Burisma. And then this story broke again with Donald Trump. And as soon as that happened, then this new prosecutor was not somebody to be trusted. He's corrupt, too. The, the way the media, and we have shown it to you, the way the media has debunked this is completely and total fabrication. It is at best sloppy work. This is the, this is, what they are breaking is the, or, or committing is the, uh, the crime uh, and the sin of omission. What they're doing is they're saying, look, this was debunked. New York Times said it. You go to the New York Times. New York Times, it's debunked, according to Bloomberg. Bloomberg, it's debunked, according to the Washington Post. The Washington Post it's debunked according to this paper in ukraine well then we went to that paper in ukraine everybody else is just quoting each other you go to the paper in ukraine and it says uh that uh, uh shokin uh you know uh, said that uh he didn't it wasn't shokin it was the other one uh that said he's he didn't say that uh to the uh, to the uh, embassy right this is this the is, ambassador
1: right the whole situation with ivanovich and how uh, he had a list of do not prosecute uh, which initially was the story uh told by the
0: prosecutor and then he said well it wasn't a list no 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 they asked him this is this is how they did it they asked him in this interview so she did do you have the paper did she she gave you so she handed you a list no, no, no. She didn't hand it to me. She gave it to me verbally. Yeah, that was the so second thing. So she told me. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the Post and the Times and everybody else says, he said he was never given a list. Period. Debunked. No, it's not debunked. He said she didn't hand me a list. She gave it to me and I wrote it down. Yeah, and he brought, when he was talking about names that he wanted,
1: thought was, you know, worthy of prosecution or looking into it, she beat him up on it. Right. And, you know, is that different than, set, than giving him a list of people not to prosecute? She was telling him he shouldn't prosecute those people. And, and he was saying this has been the problem in Ukraine forever. Right. This has been the issue. This is what we, you guys are supposed to help us stop doing. Correct. We're just not supposed to be going after these uh, or protecting certain politically uh, connected people. We're supposed to be doing the opposite, going
0: after the truth. Shokin and his prosecutor that uh, replaced him are now on record saying we don't know how to fight corruption the american way because it's not a system it's you can do this you can't do this next day it's yeah well we're including this person that you can prosecute and this one you got to stay away from there's no there's no rhyme or reason other than power and money now when it comes to this particular thing where joe biden Asked for the uh, firing of Shokin because he was dirty. His claim is, I didn't know anything at all, nothing at all about the Burisma uh, investigation. I didn't know that. There's no way for me to know that. They weren't investigating at the time. That is provably false. We have the court records that happened, oh, coincidentally, Within days before the vice president's visit, the State Department was notified that Joe Biden's son was going to be under investigation. That's when daddy gets on the plane. No one in the State Department, no one in the embassy, no one on the president's vice presidential staff or president's staff was briefed that the vice president's son and his company was going under investigation by the prosecutor, the one that we helped appoint, nobody notified the vice president of that. And then he just coincidentally said, we're not doing any aid if you go into any of this on Burisma. That is fact, verifiable fact with documents. It is not malpractice. It is it is treasonous to the truth. You either want to tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may, or you are nothing but a puppet. Look, I think I, my record is pretty darn clear. If Donald Trump would have been doing these things, and you could prove it, and I would do the investigation, I said to our r- researchers, dig. At the very beginning, Dig. Let the chips fall where they may. Find the truth. I would come to you and tell you, I'm sorry, and if it would mean the end of my business, I don't give a flying crap. I don't know how to tell you these things anymore. I'd gladly go away. I'd tell you the truth. If Donald Trump was doing that, I'd tell it to you. This is corruption at the highest levels of the Obama administration. And what Schiff said yesterday... Well, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, yeah, no, I did. I just saw the memo from Joe Biden, which is exactly the same thing. Schiff, under oath, as an impeachment manager, told whoppers of lies yesterday. But he walked into a trap he started talking about this oh well you I mean this this conspiracy well now wait a minute wait a minute if you're talking about this conspiracy then we should talk to people to make sure that it is a conspiracy you're right if it's a conspiracy there are facts out there that show that it's not in fact every fact shows that it's not So you want to bring that up with Hunter Biden? Thank you, Mr. Schiff. You just introduced that as a line we can pursue. Now you must hear from the president's son, a vice president's son. You must hear from him. And why is it they have to have such Nazi-like marching orders to fall in line, press? Why do you feel it's necessary to do? If you have nothing to hide let him talk let him talk when trump's when when trump would go off on uh you know not born here i i was like don't no, please can somebody cuz that's not helping him that's not helping him okay but kind of when he's right thing, yeah. about yeah the birther thing mm-hmm. but when he's right about something let him talk when you have truth on your side let him talk you don't, Joe Biden, have truth on your side. So you must silence people. You must silence people. Yeah, chasing the truth no matter where it goes is something that opinion people should do,
1: that journalists should definitely do. And you know what? It's what all humans are supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to interact with people. It's not it. supposed to be the way that Adam Schiff is. He is. It's just like his human interaction policies
0: need to be revised a lot a lot a lot a lot (laughs) Uh, back in just a second by the way we have complete uh, coverage of impeachment the recap at 5pm tonight you don't want to miss it only on Blaze TV the best of the Glenn Beck program Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I want to play a, uh, I want to play a monologue uh, from me. Let's just play a little bit of of this before I tell you the context and when it happened. Listen to this. Can I tell you something? There's nothing more frightening than when our truth becomes entertainment. And that's what's happening in America. Truth has become entertainment. When our news organizations, our newspapers, have to do what they have to do for ratings, when they say, I've got to sell more newspapers, I've got to uh, get another ratings point, and so they start to spin the news or they start to look for the news that's entertaining and highlight those stories that are entertaining. That's dangerous. Almost as dangerous as when history becomes entertainment. I don't know about you, but uh, I found JFK by Oliver Stone frightening when it came out. Because I knew, watching that, people are going to think this is a documentary. People are going to think this is the truth. And it's not the truth. Michael Moore. That's not the truth. That's entertainment. That's a money-making vehicle. And it is a political statement. It's not the truth. But it's cloaked as the truth. Short-term thinking. The death of truth and short-term thinking. The death of truth is Michael Moore. Short-term thinking are those Democrats who are embracing Michael Moore. (laughs) I, I... You know, Michael Moore is not a Democrat. Michael Moore is a socialist. Michael Moore takes the Democratic Party apart. When Clinton was in office, was taking Bill Clinton apart. Now, you've given Michael Moore all of this credibility. You've given him a stage, a world stage, sitting next to presidents. You've given him this huge stage, and you've given him your credibility. Now, let's say John Kerry wins. God help us all. John Kerry wins, gets into office. What do you do with Michael Moore? How do you say Michael Moore doesn't know what he's talking about? Michael Moore is a genius. Michael Moore has enough credibility to sit next to Jimmy Carter in the presidential box at your convention. And believe me, Democrats, he's going to take you apart as well. Because it's not that he doesn't like Bush, that's number one priority, but his long-time priority is, he's a socialist. Short-term thinking. You're going to destroy yourselves and your party because you are getting into bed with the enemy of your enemy. He's not your friend. That was in 2004. 2004. Look at their bed now. They are being eaten by socialists. Hillary Clinton. Why do you think she's going after uh, uh, Bernie? Why do you think that the uh, they're they're attacking each other right now? Why do you think AOC was out this last week saying, "You know what? I got to tell you. I mean." <laughs> We don't really have a left party here in America. It's not the Democrats. They're not targeting. They're not targeting Trump. They are targeting the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party is so weak. Look at their field. It is so weak. It's going to implode. Because they engaged in short-term thinking in 2004. They got into bed with radicals. And now... As Jeremiah Wright used to say, the chickens are coming home to roost. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to tell you about the three groups of Democrats. And one of these groups are going to decide the future of the Democratic Party and decide uh, the future possibly of the country. And then I want to tell you the three reasons why Donald Trump is going to be reelected. Now, this is speaking of today. Anything could happen. We could have a an economic collapse. Uh, we could have you know war break out. Lots of things could happen. But lots of things could happen on the Democratic side as well. Especially if Joe Biden is your is your horse. That thing could fall apart. I mean, he's not looking you know, the 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 best uh, and uh, hasn't been performing well in debates. Okay, well, Bernie Sanders or or Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg. Let me tell you why these people will not win. There are three groups of Democrats. And really, when you come down to it, There is only one group that is a traditional Democrat. First, you have the socialist revolutionaries. These are the people that have always been on the outside. They have not had a party. They're communist, socialist revolutionaries. They are people like Bernie Sanders that have never really had a home. Now, those socialist revolutionaries were brought into the party uh, beginning back in the 1980s when they decided they really needed a coalition. They started bringing them in, but they were always kept at arm's length. Back in the early 2000s, they started bringing these real revolutionaries in to fight against George W. Bush, the people that did not necessarily vote for Democrats ever. But they were communists. They were socialists. They were Literal revolutionaries, people like Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. These people were always on the fringe of society or just under the radar, but then they were embraced to fight George W. Bush. And I warned at the time, you think you're using them? <laughs> They've been waiting for this moment. They, in the end, are going to destroy you. And they'll destroy you before they destroy the, Demo- or the Republican Party. So there's your first group of voters. They want radical change and nothing American. They do not want the Constitution. They don't want the guaranteed protections. They want, um, they want not equal justice. They want social justice. They want redistribution of wealth. All of the stuff that Barack Obama was you know accused of because of the people he surrounded himself with, and said no 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 that's crazy talk well it's not because here they are the second group is the is the new uh if you will uh progressive liberal corrupt establishment these were the people that started really kind of you know with fdr uh they they bastardized the word liberal but they were still kind of holding on to things like the ACLU and say, no, we're for freedom of speech. But really, they weren't. But it, it was close enough to where most people didn't understand. And nobody wanted to believe that all of these politicians were as corrupt as they were. Now we know these politicians are absolutely corrupt. And I'm not just saying the Democrats, Republicans are too. Just corrupt. And they're not in it for anybody but them. And their family, apparently. And they can get rich a million different ways, and they do not want their power to end. But they're progressive liberals, and they don't want to really upset the Apple cart. They'd like enough of a revolution to where it's not so hard trying to keep elect- you know, keep electing the same people over and over again. They'd like that to happen. And then there's the third category. And I think this is the majority. Of Americans. And the majority of Democrats, they're the forgotten Democrat. They're the ones that are looking for, dare I say it, hope and change. The reason why Barack Obama's hope and change worked is because. Almost everyone was looking for hope and change. I was looking for hope and change. I was tired of the Bush administration. I was tired of the backroom deals. I was tired of being lied to. I was tired of the never-ending wars. I was tired of the out-of-control spending. I was tired of being talked down to and called, you know, not being a patriot if you weren't for the Patriot Act. I wanted hope and change, too. But when Barack Obama offered it, a lot of people just heard that and they thought, yeah, he's saying what I believe. That's why I've always said you have to really understand who you're standing next to, who you're supporting, because they might say all the right things. Barack Obama capitalized on hope and change, but his hope and change required fundamental transformation of the United States of America. Now, there's a difference between revolution and restoration. I want a restoration of what was right with America while getting rid of those things that are wrong with America. Corruption. The out-of-control spending where no one is held responsible for anything. I want a fair justice system. I want, I want truth justice and the American way. And I think there's plenty of Democrats all across this country that are hardworking people that feel the same way. They're tired of getting the shaft. They're tired of being told that they're the problem. They're tired of being told that, uh, you know, uh, they'll never make it. When they know, when they're talking to their friends in the coffee shop, We could fix this, guys. We could fix this. You know what the problem is. They really believe they can fix it because they can fix it in their own town, in their own life. So, what they're looking for is somebody that's not insane, somebody that doesn't want the fundamental transformation of America, and somebody that's an outsider. They're looking for Donald Trump, which is why 18% of those who voted for Donald Trump were Democrats. They're looking for someone who just, you know, who Donald Trump is. Is there any question in your mind? You'd know, you know, yesterday I saw the news report. Donald Trump broke his record for tweets yesterday. My response was, duh, really? Of course he did. We know who he is. Imperfections, at all. We know who he is, and you're willing to accept that, because as insane as he might seem, or insane as uh, his his actions might seem to people, his actions on the world stage. What he's actually done, not what he said, what he's actually done, not insane. What he's actually done with the economy, it's working, seems to be going really well. Imagine what it would be if he took those insane trade tariffs away. But you know what? It's okay right now. What he did with Iran, that was insane. No, it wasn't. It seemed to have worked. Seem to have worked, at least temporarily. But they're always going to be a problem. People are looking for somebody not to not look nuts. They don't care. They knew Donald Trump looked nuts. They knew he looked like he wasn't presidential. I said that in two thousand seven. If Barack Obama gets into office, he is so slick, we're gonna have a guy who has a gravy stain on his tie and stands up and maybe he farts during his speech is like hey, we all fart, huh? That's who we have. That's who we have. And everybody looks at the outside packaging of Donald Trump. The over the top, everything is perfect Donald Trump. And they know <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Now, if his administration was putting together the insanity of an agenda that was as insane as his tweets and everything else, he would be gone. He would at least not be uh, uh, reelected. But it's not. That's the packaging The substance is different than the packaging. And people know that because they feel safe. They feel like, you know, there's encroachments on things, but we're okay. At least the president's not crazy and listening to, you know, crazy people on either side. And he's doing things that we all wanted to do. I mean, what did Democrats want? They wanted an end to these endless wars. What did many Republicans want in 2008? An end to these endless wars. We don't want to be lied to. We don't want people undercover doing things where they're enriching themselves or they're getting us entangled into foreign affairs without even talking to us about it. We just want to be left alone and be able to do our work. And we still also want to be charitable. So when they look when the Democrats look at Bernie Sanders there's always going to be I mean it should be about 10%. But I think we're up to maybe 20 or 30% of this population that is now willing on the democratic side to go to war. I'll have a revolution. I think it's around 10%, but it could be as high as 30. Warren doesn't have the same uh the same effect on the voter as Bernie Sanders does, but she also doesn't have... She has more of the corrupt establishment air that hurts her, and he has more of the, yeah, Soviet gulags were great air to keep his numbers suppressed. But the vast majority of people are not looking for the corrupt establishment. They're not looking for the... The, the rebel and revolutionary on any issue anymore. They've been revolutionized enough for a while. Can we just sit down and relax for a minute? They're looking for somebody that has hope and change. Joe Biden doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. But Joe Biden, what he does have is the feeling that he's not a revolutionary. He doesn't want to overturn all of American history and fundamentally transform things. And that's enough. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. Robbie Suave is a senior editor at Reason, Reason.com. He's got a great article out now. A year ago, the media mangled the Covington Catholic story, but what happened next was even worse. Welcome, Robbie. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. So, so make this case. It's fascinating.
2: Sure. So uh, so it's a year later and uh, I was looking back at, you know, the story, what people said, how it kind of all happened. This was obviously a big story for me. I was one of the first to kind of see the full footage and uh, and kind of and try to reverse this narrative that had taken hold. Right. Um, anyway, what struck me is that, you know, there, there. so the mainstream media has attracted a lot of. Well-deserved criticism for reporting this story and getting it wrong. Outlets like Washington Post, CNN, etc., that have subsequently been sued by Nicholas Sandman, et cetera. Um, but what I what I was struck by looking back on this again is those outlets. So certainly deserve blame. They got it wrong, but they did um, they did reverse course when it was called out. Um, there were so many uh, more ideological writers, pundits, etc. Who, who not only did not apologize, they continue to defiantly assist, uh, insist, and probably do to this day, that the initial media coverage was correct. There were people who went looking for facts that had nothing to do with all of this. Um, you know, oh, well, years ago at a Covington basketball game, is this someone in blackface? And it, it, right. it wasn't. But even if it was, <laughs> it would have had nothing to do with whether Nicholas Sandman had harassed uh, this Native American man so I was more I almost feel like we've forgotten that side of it a little bit in the focus on um, how irresponsible the kind of more mainstream coverage was.
0: So, first of all, let's talk about the mainstream coverage for just a second and what's happening to them. Any idea, any guess what CNN settled for?
2: Uh, I I have asked people there. I've tried to find out this information. Um, no one knows. My just wild guess would be like two or three million dollars. Mm-hmm. um It would surprise me if they paid more than five wow that's uh, what
0: that's what Stu says. Yeah. I would be surprised if it was not in double digits or i mean in in digits so? eight digits. Uh, eight digits. Mm-hmm. Um, I just. Well,
2: I just. My frame of reference here is the roll is Rolling Stone. Uh, the lawsuits from the University of Virginia gang rape that right. from right, years ago, right? And that and and honestly, that was a stronger case uh, because Rolling Stone's uh, wrongdoing was was actually more egregious. Um, and they, you know, that was million a couple million dollars.
1: Yeah. We should point out, Robbie was also uh, one of the guys leading that uh, truth telling uh, ability there. Because I mean, without without you, Robbie, I don't know we would ever had the truth on either one of these two stories. So thank you for doing that. That was uh, it's important work.
2: Uh, thank you. You know, it was it was my <laughs> pleasure to really get to the truth of these things. And I don't, you know, I'm not. It wasn't like I was so ideologically invested in these either of these stories. I just sat down to write something. And then you start looking at the other information available. And, and both times I started thinking, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this that people haven't really picked up on yet.
0: So, Robbie, I mean, just look, let's just look at today where Joe Biden came out and issued a memo yesterday to the news media that said, fall in line. It's uh, worse than a journalistic malpractice if you say that there's anything at all to these uh, conspiracy theories on any wrongdoing by me or my son in ukraine and they're taking it they're taking it they're there the, the media is not outraged by that how, how do we what? how do we even have hope for the truth
2: in a with a media like this i mean that's the problem right the problem is uh we have divided i think into two tribes quite neatly there's there's Trump tribe and there's media tribe. And so the media are not uh, the, the illusion. I think to some degree, this always was an illusion, right, that they're objective gatekeepers and just kind of call, you know, calling it like they see it and they're not taking sides and they're fair and down the middle. That is that is over. And to, to some degree, they're not even claiming that or they're not not as strongly even claiming that they're in the opposition camp. And so, all things that happened, all developments, all all stories, news must be must be segmented. Must be put in either how does this you know how does this help Trump if you're a pro-Trump person, or or how is this is, how does this help and defend the media? The media is the opposition party, so that's not surprising to see candidates who represent the media party explicitly calling for them to, you know, to kind of serve on the front lines of, of a war on Trump, because that is that is the role uh, they are suggesting that they are going to play. Not, not everyone, not all of them, but, but a lot more than it used to be.
0: So 2024, I think, is when historically the pendulum should start shifting back uh, towards some um, sanity. Um, do you see an appetite at all for the truth where the chips fall i mean i don't i present i try to present the truth but i am also an opinion guy i'm not news i don't know of uh of anybody who is uh who is huge mainstream that would even consider taking on no let the chips fall where they may Who who's doing well, that
2: i mean that's a that's a problem right uh the the kind of I think um, scaring people, cells or worrying people that uh, that a lot of this is even non ideological. It's just things are worse than ever, and then there's an ideological component, right? That we live in in like a more racist and more sexist and more homophobic, et cetera, et cetera, society. So then, of course, when something like Covington happens, that confirms your thinking because you're looking for it because you're thinking these are this is the worst of all times, and we've degraded as a society, et cetera. Uh, you know, I see all the time, again, outlets like CNN, Washington Post, reporting things like hate crimes are higher than ever. But if you actually dig into the statistics, and I really have, they don't they don't even begin to prove that that's true. And it actually seems quite ridiculous if you think of <laughs> how far <laughs> we've come as a country on many of these fronts. Uh, but they're, they're scaring you with these headlines all the time to, to worry you into thinking the world is such a bad place.
0: But I remember I had, and Stu, see if you remember this, I think it was the the editor of the san francisco examiner very left and i had him on the show because he said uh glenn beck is a journalist blah 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 and uh and in some way in a weird way he was kind of almost endorsing that you know journalistic credibility and i had him on the air and i said i'm an opinion maker i try to take the facts And do my own homework, but then what I present is an opinion. He said that's a journalist, and I said no, that's not a journalist. And there was this weird conversation where I had a journalist trying to convince me that I was a journalist, and I'm not. But now, (laughs) you, you know, you just you just said it. There is no difference between the truth that you get from CNN. Well, let me use this. Brian Stelter last week just had on reliable sources. Media matters.
2: (laughs) Hello. Uh, So these people who cut, yeah, they cut video clips and of people saying things, and they make it look like it's really bad. And then, then I've learned now I have to go back and watch the full clip. Right. Maybe you're missing a very important segment of of what what whoever it is just
0: said. uh, You know, it it kind of goes to question your article. Um, Because you said, you know, the other media was even worse. Are they separate anymore? Is there an opinion media and CNN? Are they different?
2: I think social media has made has eroded this distinction because you have people um, who are supposedly straight news objective reporters who don't have opinions and of course everyone has opinions so this is oh, this was almost always a little silly sure but then you can see what they're saying on twitter um you know they're neat you're getting their knee-jerk unedited reactions to news to things like covington or whatever or, or like just jesse smollett and they're you know they're 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 falling over themselves about how horrible this is and you know Smearing anyone who even is slightly skeptical of it, not in the news story that they're going to write for their paper, but on their social media feed. So then you're seeing, you know, what they really think, what has not been what has not been uh, worked on by an editor. And uh, almost that's clarifying. And it, it's like it's like a good thing that was allowed to happen because now there's there can be no more delusions about this.
1: Yeah. And you go into a lot of this uh, great examples in your story. I mean, some of people who are saying how punchable Nick Sandman's face is. Um, You go through a ton of them one in particular who I believe referred to you as a professional contrarian which is quite the title Um, but they went on to say even after all of this footage came out not only was it uh, was it uh, wrong to change your mind on the story and think that you know these kids didn't really do anything you were a sellout if you came out and corrected yourself they actually went after the people who had the courage to correct themselves on the story.
2: Yeah, that's right. They were shaming people who said they're sorry, and that was really the point of my most recent piece: is to say it's you know it's better to be wrong and apologize than to be wrong and 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 but insist you weren't wrong and cling to that wrongness and then try to attack people uh, for having a a shred of integrity or more integrity th- than you do. Yeah, that was a a piece of deadspin that was just utterly vile, and and deadspin is a is a. Really, kind of mean-spirited place, anyway. But I no, would dead spin is <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. or was <laughs> or was or
2: was right. Yeah.
1: Well, that that was one, one of the things I, I wanted to I was interested in uh, Rob because when I read I was reading your piece and I hadn't I had missed the initial dead dead spin piece when it came out and I thought to myself, Gosh, you know, you make a mistake like that, then you double down on it in the nasty way that you cover in the piece. I went back and read her piece and thought to myself gosh, she must have paid a price for this, right? Like, it, it, journalistically, like, in your in your job, you probably have a tougher time getting a job. No, she's gone to a more mainstream outlet and has a better job than she did when she wrote the piece. She was rewarded for this behavior, and now is, I believe, Vice and has a nice big role over at Vice.
2: Yes, and I remember people at the time, a year ago, this was – Share so there were people at slightly more uh, mainstream, not mainstream, but in like an like Atlantic type leftist, sure. more respectable. Um, I remember people sharing that piece and citing that piece in clearly in a way that like this is what I wish I could have said. This is how I, this represents my thinking, but I can't get away with that in my position. But mm. but so I'll just put this out for you to you know what I mean. Yeah. There was a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of that.
1: Yeah, that's a, I mean it doesn't surprise me. But, I mean, it is it is remarkable that someone goes through that, you know, Deadspin, obviously, uh, you know, they, they were a, it was a big attitude place and, you know, obviously went through all of its troubles and is basically, you know, gone now. But... To go over to now, device, to which again is not, I'm not saying is a mainstream site, and it certainly has some of the same characteristics as Deadspin, but again, it has shows on HBO and it mm-hmm. has these big relationships with advertisers and all this. And she gets rewarded for this stuff. I mean, this is why it's impossible, I think, for people to take the media seriously when sometimes they do need to take it seriously because
0: this stuff continues to happen so, over and over again. Robbie, what, what happens next? Where do we go from
2: here? Oh, well, that's, a, that's a difficult question. I mean, I, w- I wish we could have some uh, some faith in the media. I wish they were more responsible and could earn back the public trust in some cases, because a lot of you know, I'm, I'm a journalist. I know a lot of people who do good work um, and it, it, it some I think sometimes it all gets written off because of these high profile total disasters so there needs to be some kind of um settling down or taking a breath or stepping back or i just wish people uh, the journalists themselves would would refrain from from having this need to like um tell crazy viral stories without any additional information. Like, (laughs) I mean, the the, the fundamental fact of the Covington story is that it wasn't even a story. It was a trivial incident between people who were not who had no social significance, so there was no reason to write about it in the first place. So that kind of news judgment that privacy matters a little bit that we should not use all the technology we have today to like watch people all the time and and call them out for wrong think. I mean, that takes an active personal responsibility on the part of the media that maybe they will get there.
0: Yeah. Um, After not, after their response to Joe Biden's memo, where he said, step in line and don't, don't report on any of this stuff. uh, I I think we're, I, I think we're a ways before they start to turn around and go, Hey, maybe I'm headed in the wrong direction. Robbie, uh, Robbie, thank you so much. Robbie uh, Suave, Senior Editor at Reason.com. Thanks.
2: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.